And so I started looking up, why do companies need product management? And every single blog or article I found started with Procter & Gamble and brand management, maybe hit Hewlett Packard, and then went right to the Agile Manifesto and product owners. And I'm like, what? I think that's, I, I think develop, the development centricity and what Agile has done in the development environments and what VC funded startups in Silicon Valley have done is sucked the center of influence for product into development. I and think that's why it's been interrupting and are supported by all the training vendors. Product Growth Leaders proudly presents the Business of Product Topic of the Week, a podcast that explores product management and leadership topics through interactive conversations with our product leader panelists. Conversations that will challenge you to think about your thoughts on the topic and perhaps get you to change your mind. I am Grant Hunter, co-founder of Product Growth Leaders and the host and facilitator for these conversations. Listen, subscribe, and add your voice to the conversation every week in the Product Growth Leaders community. Hello, everybody. Grant Hunter here for another Product Growth Leaders topic of the week. This week, we're going to be talking about business and strategy skills for product management. little backdrop. We did a survey of product leaders late last year, early this year, and business and strategy skills were ranked the most important. 92% said uh, very important or important that they're the skill for their team. And that's something like 33% something very low said our people don't have those skills. They're, they're only 33% said good or very good uh, competency. So there's a huge gap. It was the highest importance. It was the lowest good or very good, which means it also was the highest gap. So we decided that we should take a, a little deeper dive into this thing. With us this week on our panel, oh, Jason, it's so good to have you back. We missed you last week. <laughs> I know. Yeah. We're, you know, Calvin's not here to do the hearts for us, but we got it going. Joy, it's good to have you back. Thank you, Steve. Rob Barkman. Hey, it's been a, it's been a, a few sessions, but always value your point. And Paul Hurwitz, he's got his special biking outfit on this week because he's going to come back with this type of insights like he had in product metrics, which just blew our minds and changed our opinions. And then, of course, my partner, Steve. Johnson. It's a hard legacy to live up to. <laughs> you know, it is. It's like, you know, I, in, in uh, remember the movie Big, right? And he, he get Tom Hanks gets the job at the toy store. And uh, John Lovitz is like, hey, what are you doing? Don't work so hard. We don't want you to set that expectation for everybody else. So Paul's now a little worried. He set that expectation. What he doesn't know is Steve and I want that, right? We want you guys to get into our minds and say, wait a second, I didn't think of it that way. Because Steve and I, I know. I'll speak for myself. Steve, you can speak for yourself. I don't know everything and every opinion I have is not right. And one of the reasons I like doing this, no? That's not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> one of the reasons I'm doing this call is because I learn. I take notes. I change my opinions. And so... I, I want people to challenge me. I want people to push us. And Steve even does, he won't say it, but I'll speak I, for him. I love constructive criticism that comes in the form of unqualified praise. <laughs> All right. With that said, we're going to get right to our first question of the week, our Monday question. What are the most important business and strategy skills for a product manager to have? And you know what? We started this off and hey, Jason, maybe you just were still on a little time change from last week, right? You were thinking about sales calls, but you didn't get in first, but I felt like it was, they were creating a checklist. You know, Graham checked in, hey, be a curious empath with a nice, a nice link to a world uh, economic forum thing on being a curious empath. And we've talked about curiosity before and I keep thinking maybe we should make it a topic. The second one, uh, John Gattrell, basic financial literacy. And I, I've never, we've never had a Monday question, which we're getting like three word answers, five word answers. Particularly it, from John. Particularly from John. You know, my, our friend John Snow, 
maturity, discernment, impartiality, patience, ability to ask critical questions in an open and biased way. That's still like less than 15 words. I'm mean, like, our first three answers like aren't even a paragraph. And I'm like, oh God, did, what's wrong? You know, did I ask the question wrong? Because Jason, sometimes I do that, right? People yeah, I'll let you know me. when you do that. You, yes, you do. So do some other people. But Jason came in and while his was not a list, it was, it was brief for Jason, but he followed up with some things. He said, looking at this from a business and strategy perspective, I would say being able to understand the market, the product services. Now, Jason, to me, this is your, your go-to answer, right? It seems like whenever we're not sure, Jason is, it's the market, it's the customer, it's their problems. And so it was good grounding. Graham asked you, how does one understand the market uh, the product serves? And so let's dig into that because no other answers really dug into that. What are the skills to do that? Oh yeah, I mean, it's like this week was so, usually I'm like, okay, ready. You know, I have the rant, the Steve's rant flag hanging and all that stuff behind me. I make up my own Steve with crayon and toilet paper, but still it works. And, uh, and I'm just typing ahead and, and I'm just like, I had a hard time because I feel like a lot of this is, um, it's hard to, I mean, that's why it's a good conversation. It's kind of hard to pinpoint exactly what that is. So I feel like it's almost like talent almost or curiosity or interest. And so I was all over the place, even to Wednesday's kind of poll question. I actually went to a whole other side and then I rejected, re regretted my vote immediately. Um, <laughs> what was your oh wait no i'm not going to get there because i'm still trying to yeah, figure yeah, out how yeah. my, my, my topic wins but we'll get back to that never mind so you you talk, you talked about curiosity maturity so, so my goal so my goal is my answer was to like hey everybody let's talk about this on friday <laughs> <laughs> you did because i didn't that. have anything tangible fact, to put down <laughs> now actually now that i'm reading your answer jason i'm like oh wait a second all you did was copy and paste you know yeah. graham john and john snow's answers and that I was, was like, your... they're all good. Can we talk about it on Friday? <laughs> yeah, we so. can talk about it on Friday. Steve, I'm going to go to you right now because that, how does one understand the market the product serves? Well, it's, it's simple. It's to be part of it. Be part you know, of I, it. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm just simply floored when I talk to oh, teams. Dang. I thought you were going to say flummoxed, and I thought that was going to be a perfect word for you, but well, floored is good too. It's a good word too. Uh, and I talk to teams who they're like, well, we don't know who the user is, or we've never encountered the user. And I, I did a session a few years ago in Raleigh that was so interesting. Uh, uh, someone, a product manager came up and said, you know, it's so easy for you guys in B2B, which I'm not sure is all true, but anyway, but I'm B2C and you know, how do you, how do you do it? I'm like, do you live in a neighborhood? <laughs> you know, do you go to church? I mean, do you engage with, you know, actual people? And so I turned to the room <clears throat> and I said, how many of you use this kind of service? The, the service that she told me about, everybody raised their hand. And then to make this story become terrible, <clears throat> She sent around a pad of paper, getting everybody's name and number and email, and then sent them a survey. No! She didn't call a single one of them. And I'm like, you know, you had this opportunity. You had 38 people who said, yes, I do this kind of thing. Instead of actually having a conversation, She's like, you know, and I've got this feeling that many, many, many people, particularly marketing people, actually despise customers. And they always look for a way to automate or outsource uh, customer information. Um, I talked to a VP of, of, of marketing about the importance of doing win-loss analysis. And he said, well, what kind of an agency would I use for that? Uh, and I'm like, can't you pick up the damn phone and just call somebody and have a conversation? And he's like, well, you know, I don't really like to, you know, talk to people. Well, Steve, Steve I will say I have talked to some product managers who the reason they're not in sales is they don't want a cold call and they mm -hmm. feel they feel like doing these calls. And I'm like, the thing is, if you start with, hey, I'm in product, I mean, you know, the talk track. Oh, hey, yeah. I'm in product management. I'm working on the future. I don't I couldn't sell you something if you wanted it today. 
I'm just trying to learn how we can add more value to you. Mm -hmm. You know, your story reminded me when I was teaching uh, product management for Pragmatic, uh, there was a girl in the class who worked for a software company that helped run the offices for doctors. And what she did was she put it out there. When anybody needs a ride to the doctor, right? I'll take you. And so she would take their friend and she would just, the friend would go in or the grandparent or whoever, and she would be sitting in the lobby and she would start talking to the <laughs> desk people because they were her, they're her, their customer. Mm-hmm. And that was her way of doing that. So I'd like to get you, I mean, we've talked before on other ones about going and talking to the customer. How would you answer that question? Understand, how does one understand the market the product serves? You know, I was, I was, as Steve was talking, I think one of the issues is with marketing and with product managers, I don't think they hate their customers, Steve. I think that um, they're afraid that they don't want to be salesy. You know, mm. it's hard. It's, it's a cold call. Even wait, 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 Joy, aren't you from Raleigh? No. Okay. Oh, and she is not the person to whom I was referring. <laughs> I interrupted, sorry. Um, No, I've actually been asked the question, how is it that you can talk to customers and reach out to customers and and even this panel that we're doing, because I'm actually very shy, I'm very introverted. And they said, I don't understand how you're so comfortable reaching out and making, you know, cold calls. And I said, because I'm calling as a product manager, I'm not calling a Joy McCaffrey like I'm at a cocktail party, you know, or at a bar just trying to, or even, you know, a conference just trying to network. Mm-hmm. I hate that I too. I am calling for a specific reason. I have a specific script. I have a specific outcome in mind. And, you know, there's a specific reason. And that to me is just so much easier. Although I will say, as part of my re- market research last week, um, I decided to call some managing partners at Deloitte. I got their name off of a report. And I did, I saw Grant's response. I'm like, am I really going to come to a managing partner at Deloitte and Colco? But I did it, and one of them responded, and it was great. And now we have a relationship. And, you know, it's it's like I said, I'm, I'm not Joy McCaffrey. I'm... I'm the product, Joy McCaffrey, the product manager. Mm-hmm. You have a little cape you put on when you do those calls? Uh, no, no. Okay. I didn't know if it was like, it was like you go into the phone booth and you come out. Now I'm a product manager and I can do these calls. Glasses. No, I'm kidding. No, you, I, think, I think the MCU wants to know about that idea, Grant. Hold on to I that do. one. We, we should pitch that. But, but Joy, you hit a couple things that I think were are tremendous. I'm working with one of my clients on the same thing. You have to have an outcome you're looking for. You have to have something you're trying to learn, right? Sometimes discovery is just, I want to know what I don't know. I want to find undermet and unmet needs, but that's an outcome you're looking for. Sometimes you're trying to understand something and having a script that can help you drive you to that outcome really doesn't make it just a general networking. Hey, how are you doing? Right. And I find that they always appreciate giving their feedback and I, I did some work with a, a company in Georgia who their clients were C-suite global 1000. I mean, we're talking about the most powerful business people in the world and their people were afraid to call them because they were the most powerful business people in the world. And we put a program in place and we had a situation where the CIO of a major European bank, you know, a bank people would know the name of, uh, not for bad for, or good, but just so know the name, uh, and he's like, I'm going to the person that I'm going to be in your city this day, this day, any chance you're available to meet, he goes, actually, we're having an offsite with a thousand of my team at this hotel. I will change my schedule and give you from one to two. And, and like, what it, that was like this product you sell them, the service you sell them is so valuable and important to them. This person has an offsite meeting with a thousand people and rearrange their schedule to give you an hour. And so sometimes I think product managers need to realize that when they're engaging with customers, these people feel ownership and accountability in the product and want to do what they can to, to help make it better. I want to finish out, we've, we've gone around this a couple of times. I'm gonna, you know, Paul Hurwitz, 
how does one understand the market the product serves? I'm going to go back to what I said during our product metrics calls. Have a really good understanding of the problems that you're looking to solve. And the way you understand the problems that you're looking to solve is by talking to people. Like you have to really, all of these things that we're talking about of talking to people and doing research, uh, doing market research, doing competitive research, really understand what it is you're trying to do with your product. And uh, I mean, I'm definitely a, a schmoozer. So like, I have no problem picking up the phone and oh, talking to immense. people. You're a mensch, Paul. <laughs> um, I, Steve, actually, Steve, something that you once said, you did a, a workshop on win-loss analysis. This is years ago in Waltham, Massachusetts, for the mm -hmm. Boston uh, Product Management Association. Okay. Something that you said there stuck with me about, and it's how, how I think of at least certainly win-loss analysis, but also other things. I put it out there when I'm calling somebody up. I'm not calling you to, I'm not on the sales team. Right. I'm just calling to talk to you about your, about our product and how you use it or how you would like to use it. Like I put it right out there. Yeah. I'm not trying to sell them something. Yeah. Steve, yeah. I'm, I'm getting a little worried. Hey, Paul, <laughs> Paul is like now trying to compete with me for knowing what Steve says. You know, Steve, you one time said or wrote, right? I thought that was my like, core thing but paul every time he's on he's like steve 20 years ago at this little place you said this and like so he's coming at me but then i started thinking jason and paul together are really just trying to steal that it's not talking to the customers about their problems and both of them it sort of becomes the go-to i i don't know maybe maybe you got something here huh i mean when i was at the at the at a it was a budgeting software company up in Boston. That's how I got my start in product. I literally caught, picked up the phone and spoke to about 400 people mm -hmm. about our product and what it wasn't doing and what they wanted it to do. And I think I've told you guys the story, but to come up with that top 10 list to give to my boss. Yeah, you, but and, you need to do that. And, and it's, it's, it's the key in my experience is it's a non-support. It's not that they have a problem they're looking for you to solve. Right. Non-sales. It, it, it truly is that, right? And, and Rob Barkman, you've been sitting so quietly. I, I want to get your thought on this question before we move to some more of the answers. How does one understand the market the product serves? Yeah, it's, I agree with everybody else. And I think it's, it's also defining what you're trying to do. Like Joy hit it on the head, right? Any call, call person goes in with a process of how they're going to ask and articulate questions. And I think uh, to add on to what Paul's saying, you're not only trying to figure out the problems, you are trying to figure out when you talk to people of where the market's going, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're, we're doing that research right now with one of my clients is we're, we're talking with folks around EV chargers and we're really trying to figure out, hey, who's, who's really going to buy these things at the end of the day? Who's, you know, who's going to benefit from this, right? Is it yeah. the hotel guys? Is it the uh, construction guys? Is it the airport? You know, so on and so forth, right? Because um, understanding who's getting the value out of it uh, then lets you target your, your product a lot better and, and your um, content. So, And can I jump in with a, like a microcosm of what Rob just said? Yes. One of my friends a year ago said that they had gone through on-demand training and found it to be worthless. Then she sent another group through the same training and tacked on cohort-based discussion about this week's lesson. And everybody said they never wanted to do any other kind of training than that. And so that gave me a hypothesis, right? And just this week, one of our clients did a survey of, would you rather do on-demand, on-demand with cohort-based something or live? And the on-demand with the cohort-based discussion won 90%. But it, it, it all started with, a comment made by one of my customers that I thought was something I hadn't thought about. And then I supported it with a survey. And I think yeah. at, at most product managers who are engaging, who, who think they're doing research, always think, well, let me do a survey. Yeah. You know, my, my poor uh, product manager in, in Raleigh, as an example. Well, and for that exact reason about cohorts, that's why I've always been a big fan, as like in enterprise products that I've worked with, of having a customer advisory group mm -hmm. or yeah. a customer advisory board. That's your cohort that you can go to on a regular basis Absolutely. with questions. Absolutely.
The, the problem is sometimes people use customer advisory boards so early in it that they don't have customers who are have ownership and accountability for the product. I was, I've got a call scheduled next week for somebody who it's like, they're launching a new product and they wanted to do a customer advisory board to help them understand how to launch it. Like, well, no. but see, they don't, what they're using it for is sales. Yeah. So it goes back to Joy's point of what is our objective here? Yeah. And I can't tell you the number of customer advisory boards where all of the people on the board were nominated by sales. If you buy this quarter, I'll get you on, on the, the customer board. advisory yeah. board. No. Yeah, no, but I, I think what Rob said was, uh, if anybody has not read Seeing Around Corners by Rita McGrath, amazing, amazing book on innovation. First, honestly, skipped the first chapter on Facebook. I found that dreadful, but everything after that was amazing. But it's all, a, that's the thing about customer discovery getting into the market is it's about anticipation, right? It's not about where they've been. We get that in our product metrics, right? In our sales mm -hmm. metrics, it's about where they're going. Mm -hmm. And, you know, putting the puck out in front of them. So let me get to Steve's no, answer. But before you do, okay. one more rant, hang on, I'll do the full <laughs> rant here. If, there we go. If we're not experts on the market, then what the hell value do we provide? Steve, you're getting ahead of yourself. You know the questions that are coming later. No, I don't. I've already forgotten. Okay, yeah, that's I, true. I, 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 before you get to, to Steve's answer too, and I think I, who's, I think it was Paul who said, or somebody, maybe it was Graham, I don't know, but, you know, be present. You know, I'm thinking about this and I'm like, yeah, there's lots of people that I work with that really understand the customer, the user, the buyer. They have no idea who our competitors are. They have mm -hmm. no idea what acquisitions are happening in the market. They don't know where your disruptive innovation is coming from, who's up and coming, who's mm -hmm. doing things differently with modern technology. They're completely going to get blindsided, which goes into that book that you were talking about, Grant, um, yep. which I'm also currently reading. Thanks for the, the recommendation. Um, like you have to know the entire landscape. And that was the point of my understanding the market. I don't look at the market as just my people that are market of buyers, but I look at the market as also who, what else are they buying? What else are they using? And it could be tangential to what we're selling. So an example, if I'm selling um, business commerce software, my market of competitors is e-commerce because it's teaching my users how to use my product, even though they're completely different sales. So just like mm -hmm. gamification is teaching your users how to use something that they're going to expect that in your product. That's part of that market intelligence right. in order to be strategic on where you should go with your products and services and pricing and all that. You have to know what, what the environmental factors, this is traditional SWOT analysis stuff. And so just looking at users is just not enough. And I think a lot of people miss those other components. I, you know, a couple things, and I do want to get to Steve's answer. One uh, great Harvard Business Review article, gosh, 10, 15 years, probably more, 15 years ago, from uh, Tony Chan. From uh, he was the vice chairman of Parthenon Group. Uh, he's the founder of Cuball, a VC who happened to be an investor in a company I'd worked for, and Dick Harrington, the CEO of Thomson, who turned them from a paper company to a leading provider of critical information and workflow tools. And the, one of the key things they said was, go in and observe and see what they do the three minutes before they use your stuff and the three minutes after they use your stuff, because that gives you a chance to figure out where things are going. The context. Uh, the context of it. So I, to your point, Jason, it, it is that stuff. And if you don't understand that stuff, right? I was about to say, I think it was last week, Steve, but it was when we were recording the stuff on product lifecycle management, right? What was the quote on change, right? If you don't change... Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll well, remember. I forget what that is. Yeah, so, I've got two or three of those in my head, none of which come to mind. And this is what happens with my kids. I will quote a movie <laughs> and I'll get 80% of the quote right. And they're like, wait, do you mean to say this other thing? And, I, and, they're, and I'm like, oh, yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm reluctant to quote. That's, unless I have my quote. I, I understand. Well, but now we're finally going to get to your answer, Steve. And now the first one, customer discovery, we just sort of went through all that, mm -hmm. right? Basic financial literacy, we already had that listed. And I think I'm gonna, when I write this up, create a list of the individual things because I think there's a really good just list. But that would then be a good you, survey as well. Yes, it would be. <laughs> but then you brought something that really, really resonated with me. We had, I don't think we've talked about on this call, the ability to speak truth to power, right? 
product management is in a unique position because often we are talking to senior leadership about strategic items. And often those people have opinions on those strategic items. And I'd love to get your take on speak truth to power. Well, let's open that up to everybody else. I mean, I've got my point of view, but I don't want to corrupt the discussion. So let's go around the room. Because I, I think it's a, a critical thing that is hard to find and maybe even hard to learn. All right. I'm going to start with joy. Shoot. No, I, the, the, reason I, the reason I wanted to start with joy is because the reality is women often are put into a tougher position because of, well. Because and, of sexism. Yeah. <laughs> you know, misogyny and those types of things. What, what does truth to, speaking truth to power mean to you? To me, it means, um, and this is just my opinion, um, being just bluntly honest. It is what it is. It's not good in this case. We shouldn't move forward with this product. That's my recommendation. Um, so, and it's just finding the strength to not be afraid that you're going to get fired or yelled at or demeaned or uh, demoted um, and just sticking to your guns and having the data to back up what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Not just. Yep. Good I, answer. I, I love it. Paul, because you're next in order in my. I, I was just going to say it's all about the data. Um, I've, I've long said that if it's my opinion versus my boss's opinion, my boss's opinion is going to win. If it's my boss's opinion versus my data, my data should win. Um, should. I, I, exactly. And, should. And, 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 if it does, and if it doesn't, it's time to look for a new job. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think that part of being a product manager, it, you know, I've been thinking about the question. I didn't actually post in the question uh, earlier in the week. But one of the things I actually think that cross-functional leadership is one of the most important things. And part of that is speaking up to management. Um, and speaking truth in management, and I've long, uh, anybody who asks me about product management, I'm like, you got to have the, a little bit of a backbone to be able to step at least gently on some people's toes to tell them what you really need to tell them and not just what they want to hear mm -hmm. and, and, and be able to really just based on the data, tell them what really needs to happen and not just what you think they want to hear. I, I love it. Rob Barkman. I would just add, I mean, it, it is the data, but it's also taking the data and making it into an informed decision, right? Because there, yep. there's a lot of things around product that some of it is, um, I won't, some of it when you're, especially in the startups, look, I've got a gut instinct after reviewing, looking at the problem set that this is the most innovative way to actually solve this problem that people are not doing it and this will dis disrupt the market. And so that's a differentiator for us. Because if I take the normal data set and then apply it all the time, sometimes you, you, know, you don't find those things. So I agree with the data part, but it's making sure it's the information piece too. And then being able to say, hey, here's the story that we're going to tell so that we can get them to the vision and agree with this and then turn it into a norm behavior, right? So that's it. Actually, the interesting thing is uh, one of our members, DJ, uh, had said the same thing. It's a storytelling. He said, I agree with everything people said, but being able to tell the story is also a critical part of it. I love, I love that, Rob. Jason. Yeah, I don't like, I'm not really good at telling stories, so it's easier if they just listen to me and believe me. So that's how you do truth you know, power. You just. Oh, yeah, I think just being 6'2 helps. <laughs> not on zoom it doesn't mm. <laughs> i'm not wearing pants so i'm not going to do that um no, but yeah I, no i, 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 I actually it's yeah. like that's that's really been my problem throughout my career of talking to with stakeholders is would you guys just shut the hell up and do it my way i mean i've <laughs> i've done you hired me to make these decisions and now you're second guessing me at every turn um yes. And yet, you know, <laughs> supporting Paul and Rob and, and Joy as well with the data thing. I mean, my, my, my biggest data experience was I was hired to manage a product. 
I, the data said, this is a terrible idea. It's a, it, it doesn't fit in the portfolio. It's a different buyer. Uh, it's a different value proposition. The sales guys don't know anything about it. Uh, it. It requires consulting, which we don't offer. I mean, it was just wrong in every instance. But but then, almost as an accident, I thought, well, I think I need to get a quote for some customers. So I they had already signed up twelve beta test sites. So I called all 12 beta sites and did exactly what you guys said. Hi, I'm the product manager. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I want to talk to you about this product and, and what you're planning for it. They all said they were doing it as a favor to their sales guy and had no intention of ever putting it in production. So I sat down with the leadership team and said, you know what? I'm your boy. I'm willing to go whatever direction you tell me to, but to be successful with this product, you need to build a new business unit. Yeah. Everything about the product does not fit the core business. I mean, there's power, there's power in quotes, Steve. That was a very yeah. good example. That's actually a great way to do it is, and I've done it. Uh, we did that at the company in Georgia. We, I was talking about when you do your market discovery and you take your notes and you start looking at your themes, I always like to find a good quote to go or two to go with each theme, because then it's not me saying it, it's their right. customer saying it. So Steve, I, I think that's a, a great view. And, and this is one of those stories that surprisingly ends on an uptick. I mean, most of my stories are at the end, everybody kills themselves, you know, but um, <laughs> in, in this story, I'm like, I just killed the only product that I was hired to manage. Do I still work here? Yeah, you know, and and they were like, oh, we love this whole market driven data based decision making that you do. And ultimately, I became director of product management um, rather than, you know, being fired. And that says a lot about that company, too. I mean, sometimes the answer is, wow, you killed your product. Sucks to be you. You well, know, that goes back door. to our corporate culture conversation, corporate culture. which I think truth to power in corporate culture. We, I'm amazed it didn't come up in that conversation. It, it would have done that. Now, before we get to the poll, I, I do want to go through. Anita came and she always comes with sharp takes to understand how the business operates, what its goals are, how it measures success and failure, what it really cares about. And she talked about and I, I thought that, was, you know, get to know your business and understand it. Right. And then Elliot Bodoin, who is a new uh, member, all of the above, plus maybe add on threat opportunity modeling. And I've read a lot of stuff about scenario planning last year, because if people had done better scenario planning, maybe they would have been able to react better to the pandemic and COVID and stuff like that. But I thought those were good things. And the final one, Charles Rivette asked, added active listening. And so those were the, those were the things that we had people uh, talking about. I did find our quote, William de Kooning, I have to change to stay the same. And the reality is that our markets are evolving and changing and moving and technology is evolving and changing and moving. And if we don't continue to talk to the market and understand where things are going, we will be left behind and we will be disintermediated or disrupted with that. So I wanted to get that back in, you know me, I have to get back to those things. Uh, with that said, our poll question, which type of expertise is most important for a product manager in a strategic role? Now, we got some feedback on this, Steve. Jason, specifically, what? No other? No, it depends. Such a tough one. Again, Friday, I, should, I, be I, Friday should be interesting. You kept trying to pitch us, right? And then Gra Graham actually said, I like it, pick just one. And so Joy, do you, did you miss the other or it depends option? Or did you like the fact that you couldn't chicken out that way? Uh, I didn't agree with any of them. So I <laughs> did not respond. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, 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 I was- In the survey tool. <laughs> and and it, we could only do five. I, I apologize. So, okay, we've got some good feedback. And, and Joy, I, I resemble that remark. When I was getting my MBA, we had, we had a macroeconomics test. And it was 10 questions. You knew had to answer true, false, ambiguous, and explain your answer. And so I was trying to be smart. And I said, everything in macroeconomics is ambiguous. So I went straight down, ambiguous, ambiguous, ambiguous. And I, nice. and 
the professor did not like it because I was supposed to answer his opinion on whether right. it was true, false, or ambiguous. That's what it's all about. Yeah. But uh, Joy, I think you've convinced me that we still need to put a other or it depends back in there. Maybe we can make that other slash it depends, put your answer in and, and still have five. So, and, and honestly, honestly, Grant, I was being tongue in cheek because um, there's always it depends in there. And I feel like even if I think it depends, I just pick one and run with it because decision-making is an art. And when you make a decision, you have to make the decision right. And so I'd like to, I'd like to just go, you know? Um, but, but when, but when I answered here, like I said, I, I answered business and financial expertise. What? I know, <laughs> but as soon as I clicked it, I was like, how do I unvote? <laughs> Everything I know. I know. I know. My, my whole sphere of reference of Jason has just been, now, obviously I voted for that one too, so. No, it totally is market and persona expertise, <laughs> but I, I mistake. And, yeah, and I, I made the same mistake kind of as Jason. I didn't pick, I, I picked one by accident and then really meant to pick another. Which you like, you uh, so I picked domain expertise, but I really meant the market and persona expertise, really just to understand the market. You, you, there you go, Paul. I, had, I was like stretching to figure out if I could get one person to defect from market and person, both domain expertise to business and financial, it would be at least close or a tie, but I I, I think domain. I, I, I think I think domain. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Rob. Just I think yeah, domain expertise and market and persona expertise definitely have some overlap there. Mm -hmm. If you're understanding your domain, you're understanding your market. Right. Well, you should you be able to build it necessarily, but okay. You can understand. I, I said there's chain. some overlap, Steve. I didn't mm -hmm. say they were the same. All right. <laughs> yes. I will take that, Rob. You said you went with domain. Yeah, because I mean, from domain expertise, I can leave it Paul, there is an overlap. You should be able to build your persona, I mean, effectively, uh, if you have the domain expertise. I agree with Joy, though, on her, her her look at it of like, all right, I didn't agree with any of these, right? Because, um, but I'll tell you, domain expertise to me is, it gets back to what Steve was saying earlier. If you don't understand the market or you don't understand the business, at the end of the day, how are you going to figure out how to solve stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I can go hire a marketing whiz. I can go hire a persona whiz and financial guys. I can surround those folks with me. But if I don't have the domain expertise, you know, you know, I'm mm -hmm. up the creek with no paddle, so to well, speak, right? The reality is this is a Venn diagram and you should have yeah. a, a lot of these things overlapping. Right. Joy, what was missing that you would have voted for? So the first thing that I think of in a product manager role, and I'm, I'm looking at it again from the email, is um, problem-solving expertise. Ah, so if we had said market and problem expertise, that would have given you that versus market and persona. Yeah. I... Yeah, that's one problem. But as product managers, we, we work with so many problems. I mean, it's not just the problem in the market that we're trying to, so I guess I was thinking more like interviewing, you know, you always get that. Mm -hmm. What's the most important thing. Well, and we just had that whole conversation. If we were to redo the survey after this whole conversation, we just had on how do you discover, I can actively say, I probably would have put something about discovery in there, but yeah. But I was just going to say, it's not just the mark, the problem that you're trying to solve in the market. It's as a product manager, how do I get sales to sell this product accurately and not oversell it? Mm -hmm. Get product marketing to understand nuances of what we're trying to sell. How do I get senior leadership to understand the importance of this, even when they see the data? Yeah. Get development to understand um, you know, my priorities versus their priorities. How do we negotiate and communicate? There's just so much problem solving that's unique to product management because we're so matrix oriented. And a lot of times we don't have people reporting to us. And, you know, depending on the size of the company, you may be reporting to the CEO or you may be five levels down. I mean, it, it's just very unique to product management. No, no I'm, li I'm, I'm listening to you, Joy, and I'm thinking all of those things that you're talking about, how do I get people to do this and how do I have conversations? To me, those are all leadership principles. 
and not manager, like people that report to me, that's not a leader, right? So those are all kind of leadership principles. And that would actually be an interesting because I always pick on the strategic role because a lot of us product managers are doing product management, but it's not strategic. Yeah, no. You know, we're writing requirements and listening to customers is not strategic, right? right? right. And, and, and so, Jason, that is why I answered business and finance because my view is a lot of people do market persona and have domain expertise, but to, to make it real strategic, to be able to build a business case and, 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 and speak to finance in their language and that type of stuff. I, I felt the business and financial expertise was, mm-hmm. was critical. <clears throat> I did, I'm just being completely transparent. I did not right after I voted, but a day or so after I voted, think about, and I did see if I could change it to product and persona. So markets and persona, and not, not just because I wanted to be on the winning side, but you know, I like to be on the winning side. The, the option that's missing here, that Joy was kind of skirt was talking about, I think is cross-functional leadership expertise. Leadership. Yeah. It is just that ability to be cross-functional and yeah. talk with everybody, be the diplomat, be the negotiator, be the person who understands each part of what everybody's doing and to communicate with them about what needs to get done. No, that's great. Steve, had you voted? Um, I did, and I voted uh, for market and persona. Uh, but I wanted to rant on two things. One, I want to agree with Paul and quote, um, shoot, who's the OKR guy? Oh, uh, uh, I don't know. Measure What Matters by John Doerr. Okay. Uh, he said, what we're looking for is m- missionaries, okay. not mercenaries. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of what Paul was just describing there was that that missionary aspect of product management, uh, and and uh, even though I talk a lot about problems lately, I'm talking even more about friction. The friction of you know getting sales to sell the product as intended, you know, getting marketing to understand the messaging, getting development to be passionate about solving those customer problems, and. It, and identifying not just friction for our users or friction for our buyers, but friction for uh, people inside the company to understand things. And in the thing that I, 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 I actually helped put the survey together, the thing I put in was domain expertise, which I think most hiring managers overvalue. Um, so he's, like, he's putting you down, Rob and, and Paul, you know, I'm kidding. Not really. And I, I, I agree with him. I mean, they, they, you know, they say we want uh, one I saw that I, I still laugh about. I saw one that, that wanted 25 years experience in social media. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what happened, right? Some HR person took the junior position and made it a senior position. And then by adding years, you know, yeah, three to five years to all of the numbers that were in the requirements thing. But I just thought that was hysterical, you know, I, and I qualified almost. I started blogging in 1999, so even, well, that's only 22 years, so I'm sorry, I'm not qualified for this junior product marketing role that they're looking for. <laughs> All right, let's get to our first question, and, and you know, I'm going to try to keep, you know, I don't Our think first question. Yeah, we're, last week, or two weeks ago, we didn't even hit the questions because we were so darn, but we've had such a good conversation. I wanted to hit this one. If we have time for the second, we'll get to it. If not, Maybe I'll put it in, in the community. Why are business skill and strategy skills important to product managers? Why are they important? We, we have this skill gap, right? 92% of, of product leaders said it was important or very important. Uh, Jason, why, why do you think business and strategy skills are important to product managers? So listen, I mean, people look to product managers to having the vision of their of their domain of their piece or a greater vision of the entire product suite portfolio the company and in order to get that vision you have to understand um the business of what you're in the domain like we talked about just kind of the overall business but also have those strategy skills and i think you it's it's hard to just have this vision and not and not understand like uh the strategy to getting there um, ultimately, and that's how you're going to have growth in product managers. And I've seen product managers who do not grow because they can't get beyond just the tactical. This is a conversation Steve and I have been having a lot as we're working on some stuff. And I used to teach B2B marketing. And I always said, you know, if you're looking at a term, just flip them, right? Market research, what is it? It's researching the market. 
right? Product management, it's managing the product. And really it's managing the business of the product. That's sort of where it, it grew from. And too often now it's managing the requirements of the product, not the business and strategy of the product. So I, my, my, my little rant button goes on right here. Uh, joy, why are they important? Well, I guess I would say because um, product management is important to the bottom line of the company, it's important to the future of the company. And so in that sense, uh, I don't know if this is kind of a lame answer. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I'm not really sure that business skills are all that important. <laughs> Managers rely on other skills other than, you know, I mean, if somebody only had business, maybe even strategy skills, that doesn't necessarily make them a good product manager. Okay, I I, I get that. It's not in a way. The MBA answer, program but... <laughs> says that after four years or two years of an MBA program, I'm ready to be the president of a company, right? <laughs> I mean, at 22 years old, I or 20 what three years old, I'm ready to run the the world. Are you saying that that's not really critical? Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> when we dig in on a specific skill, we're, it does try to make it one dimensional. And the reality is that the product management, uh, 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 there are some jobs that are one dimensional. Product management is not a one dimensional job. It's a multi-dimensional job. So I, I completely and totally get that joy. Rob Barkman. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a pile on the, what Joy says is that it is multi-dimensional because you, you've got to have and be able to set uh, different vision for people it, it, what jason said earlier right when you're the product manager everybody's turned to you saying hey what is this we're solving and how are we going to create value in essence how are we going to create revenue which will bring us money in right yeah so it, you've got to be able to pair all those different things together right you've got to understand how the market's working as far as down as how and i would argue at some point to how the operation's going to work right yeah. and to steve's point earlier is like hey we're gonna have to create a new business unit well yeah i'm gonna create a new business unit. i'm not i'm not doing a damn thing with my cost center right because i just got a nice facility there that i should be making money on top of excuse my language but um uh, this this is the key thing is that being able to put all the the skill sets together in an effective manner to deliver the story again and, and get it out there that's that's to me why those are important multi-dimensional and cross-functional yep right i i get it paul <laughs> i'm gonna turn the question a little on its head um i so many times today product managers and certainly mid-level product leaders not necessarily like cpos but we're not really involved on the business side of things we're not involved in finance they don't even most of the time Paul, you're, in, you're jumping ahead to that, that next question. Sorry, there's been one product I've worked on where I've been asked to help out with pricing. Yeah. Um, I would say in terms of a business skill and strategy, I think it's actually most important to understand the business of your customer and how they're running their business. Uh, and when I, when I worked for that budgeting software company up in Boston, I had to understand how companies were operating in so many different industries because I had to know how to help them build their budget. So, so Paul is now going to be our, it's not internal, it's external. It's about them. I, I, <laughs> I, I get it. Steve, your thoughts on this. He was well taught, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> you know, 50 uh, years uh, ago, I saw Steve talking about that's right. <laughs> a long, 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 long time ago. Uh, you know, I, in, in, in retrospect, I, I, this conversation is just reminding me that I've had just so many really good experiences in my career. Uh, one of the difficulties, for instance, you know, I have uh, angst about salespeople. <clears throat> and the problem is my first job as a vendor was one of the best run sales teams I've ever encountered. And so I've seen excellent, right? Yeah. And so when I see inadequate it just i just lose it i mean right and yet and so it, to now to your to your point um my first job in product management i had a dev team that was market driven 
And I came to the dev team and I said, hey, I'm new. I came out of the sales world. I don't know how to talk about, you know, techno stuff, although I'm a nerd. Um, how can I contribute? How can I help? And they said, tell us about the business. Mm -hmm. You know, tell us about deals that we're winning and losing and why so that we can improve the product. Tell us about the personas and their problem. Tell us about what marketing programs we're doing and what and the rhythms of the industry so that we can say, hey, we're going to have a big honk and release right before CES. But we're blind to all that because prior to me being there, they were a feature factory. You know, people would come in and say, God spoke to me in a dream. And I think we ought to have a button that looks like this with rounded corners, but no more than 180 pixels wide. And they're like, what does Why? it do? Yeah. <laughs> and they're For like, what, oh, you know, it's, it's buttony. Yeah. No. And Steve, I think you just pointed out exactly why I rail on finance, right? My first job out of business school was at GE where you had a whole fp &A team who was helping you understand that stuff and nobody else has ever gotten to that level. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I completely, completely agree. All right. We're going to hit this just quickly because we're going to really be lightning in the lightning round. Why have they been neglected? I mean, Paul, you hit it a while that they you sort of they have been neglected. We've been more focused on the features and, and you know more the development side. You know, I I was ranting to Steve this morning. We're working on. I had a thing I wrote you know years ago that I'm going to update called every product every company needs product management because it doesn't matter if your software content or big or small. Everybody sells a product right? They, the products are so, uh, and everybody needs to do product management. They may not need the title. And so I started looking up, why do companies need product management? And every single blog or article I found started with Procter & Gamble and brand management, maybe hit Hewlett Packard, and then went right to the Agile Manifesto and product owners. And I'm like, what? I think that's, I, I think Develop the development centricity and what Agile has done in the development environments and what VC-funded startups in Silicon Valley have done is sucked the center of influence for product into development. I and think that's why it's been interrupting and are supported by all the training vendors. Mm -hmm. I so mean, think every... about how much money is spent on Agile training and coaching. Right. And even a product management class spends very little time on what we consider to be product management and most of their time about how do you write a good user story and how do you groom the backlog? Yeah. Well, that's so why even if that's you wanted to be a business oriented product manager, you're not going to learn it from most training courses. Shh, Steve, you're getting ahead again. Shh. Lightning question. Now, so I, I should from I should just print off today's syllabus. So when I send it to you, yes. Well, I'd look at it and I go, hey, this sounds like it's going to be really interesting. Wait, can I hook up a Google printer to your printer so I can print it for you and it's there for so you don't have to worry about it? I, I let's figure that one out. I, and I put this question in as a rant, partly because of that. Before we move to lightning round, anybody want to pile on that rant or just say, yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, you know, I feel like you told me what to do there, but uh, honestly, I think that like the, the, typically the business feels they already know what the strategy is supposed to be because they're already businessy and they're smarty and product managers are relegated to be a, um, secondary developers. And so, and you'll see this in resumes and you'll see this in well, job descriptions all day long. They want product managers to be the heads of development because they already know what the strategy should be. And I think that is kind of why this they neglect uh, grooming their product managers to be strategists oh i i think that's a brilliant brilliant take uh jason thank you and it's good to have you back on the call we missed you last week <laughs> all right our lightning round and we're gonna have to keep it lightning what is the best way for a product manager to build their business and strategy skills we're gonna do a little zigzag just so i can get back to the ending with steve so rob barkman you were on on lightning round why what is the best way for a product manager to build their business and strategy skills uh what we've talked about talking to customers getting familiar with the market research and then applying that knowledge throughout uh, what they're executing on using it throughout the formal process so yeah. all right 
joy have a mentor oh i like that one we, we made it all the way through this without that that's and can i just oh, actually i'll wait for the yes and it never mind uh paul i'm gonna pile on what joy said a mentor, whether it's an internal to your company or external to your company, I think is the one of the most important things that helped me build a lot of those skills. All right. Mentor, mentor, external, internal. Jason. Attend my product camp, Charlotte virtual meeting. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I actually think that uh, finding a mentor um, in from the business side, especially uh, you know, find somebody from the other side, not just a product manager mentor, but find somebody that's that's more in line with what they, um, the business side. I love it. So mentor, mentor, internal, external, mentor, mentor, somebody from the business side. Okay, we're good. Steve. Well, I really like this mentor answer, although I've, I've, I've talked to, a, I'd say many people who have asked me about being a mentor, except uh, their company doesn't have any money to spend for a mentor. So that means you really have to find somebody within your company who's willing to do it for free. Um, but nonetheless, uh, my answer is something else entirely. Um, volunteer. All right. I'm working right now on a nationwide product camp. <clears throat> and it's, it's like, it's like a two month business. Huh? You know, we gather customers, we build mailing lists, we vote on the pro, uh, the proceedings. Uh, I, I'm, I'm managing the website, which is both a blast and terrible because there are all these helpful people who know ways to improve the website. <clears throat> and, you know, wouldn't it be good if, and I'm like, ah, you know, and I'm, I'm actually experiencing like the entire product life cycle within a two month time frame, including lovely people and irritating people just like you would find in the real world um, and I find myself helping develop the marketing calendar and helping develop you know oh here's one help helping them decide who in fact is the customer because we have sponsors we have speakers and we have participants and in talking with three people I get three different answers as to who the customer is Steve just made the lightning round into the slow moving thunderstorm round. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, you know, I'm sorry. The, the lightning round answer is volunteer. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the mentor thing, to Steve's point, I actually had a, somebody who's like, I want a mentor. And then they kept calling me and they kept calling me and they kept calling me all the time looking for my advice and stuff. I'm like, no, no, that's a coach, right? A coach is somebody who is hands-on and help a mentor. I've got some mentees or mentors who I don't talk to, but once a year or twice a year when I need it, right? I may have built the relationship with them early and I learned from them, but they're the people I go back to. So I love the mentor thing. Steve, you missed the exact answer. They should take our principles of product lifecycle management course. Yeah. I mean, that would have been a good one. See, but, you need to telegraph this stuff more clearly <laughs> to me. Steve, tell the story from 17 years ago that I remember you telling that one time. And well, I'm, um, I'm going to have to do a, I'm going to have to do a couple sections of just one-on-ones with Paul and Paul and I can catalog, right? A whole 20 years worth of stuff. No, I joke. I, I don't joke. The principles of product life cycle 17. <laughs> products, principles of product life cycle management actually was built to help this. This is what we're, we're trying to do with it, but I, I actually have to get on. It's, it's, I wasn't going to say mentor, but go talk to finance and learn about finance. Go talk to learn about all the different parts of your business, whether it's with a mentor or you just being curious and going and doing that. I think that's the right way. And we have gone long, but what do I, what do I say? It's in the community, right? Monday, the question goes out and Jason used to be the first to answer and know what to think about this week. I, I'm starting to wonder if that's not It's springtime. It's yes, running out among the daisies. Yes, with no pants on, obviously. <laughs> uh, Wednesday, the poll question goes in, and we've been having both on the poll and on the question. We're getting more and more people each week, so it's getting vibrant. And Fridays, we have these wonderful calls. Uh, I gain insight. I'm now thinking of a blog post which is about multi dimensional cross functional, uh, because I think that actually would be a really good thing. So, guys. 
Rob, Jason, Joy, Paul, my friend Steve, thank you guys for such a wonderful conversation this week. Hey, have a great weekend. And next week, we'll see you in the community. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Business of Product Topic of the Week brought to you by Product Growth Leaders. If you haven't yet, go to your Apple, Android, or favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another episode. And for more great content and to participate in the Topic of the Week conversation, go to community.productgrowthleaders.com and join the conversation.